0: support for Prop G comes from better help it's not always easy to figure out what matters most I know for me my top priorities are uh, finally uh, relationships uh, I want relevance um, and I want to be I want to be healthy I want to be mentally and uh, physically fit. BetterHelp Online Therapy can help you discover what really matters to you and prioritize it so you can spend your time on things that really make you happy. It's easy and affordable with online sessions designed to fit into your busy schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Prof G today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Prof Support for Prof G comes from ServiceNow, Seems everyone is talking about AI. The hype's everywhere. It's writing college essays, running earnings reports, and fabricating my voice so well that I'll no longer need to record podcast ads. Just kidding about the last one. But you know what's not a joke? ServiceNow's ability to put AI to work across your business. With their intelligent platform, you can improve customer experiences, help non-coders to code, accelerate your IT team's productivity, and resolve HR cases faster. So work can actually work better for everyone. So stop the hype and start putting AI to work. Go to servicenow.com slash gen to see why the world works with Servicenow. Welcome to the Prop Pod's Office Hours. This is a part of the show where we answer your questions about business, big tech, entrepreneurship, and whatever else is on your mind. If you'd like to submit a question, please email a voice recording to officehours at propgmedia.com. Again, that's officehours at propgmedia.com. I have not heard or seen these questions. First question. Hello, Professor G. Mara Gardner here. You often say young people move to cities to find their career and mate. I live in London and New York and worry it is no longer the case. The New York Times says they're moving out due to the expense and limited opportunities. And now the commercial real estate cliffage looms over New York City. Are we entering another drop-dead New York era? Is a playground city the answer? Can you please analyze that for us? Thank you. That's a really interesting question, uh, Mara. I, every every city in the world is competing for number three. Two and one, I think, is a toss up between London and New York. I would still argue it goes to the crown, goes to New York, but probably a little bit biased. You can hear it in my accent. But essentially, both great cities. Uh, what I have noticed is if you can't lubricate, london and new york with just a shit ton of money or you can be a young person who sort of dances in between the raindrops and has two or three kids and is super ambitious and has a great high earning job out of school you're going to end up where the you know it's just almost near impossible to stay in these cities i am fascinated by the mating market but the bottom line is you want to put yourself in a context when you're a young person to have the most professional opportunity and the most what i'll call relationship opportunity and the most professional opportunity economic opportunity hands down is in cities The best and brightest have kind of a few things in common, and one of them is that they get to the biggest city in their country by the time they're 25, and they get to the biggest city in their continent by the time they're 30. One of the reasons the American economy is so strong and that we've been so prosperous, and we don't talk a lot about this, is it's built into our DNA to leave and to move, and that is my dad has this. Whenever things didn't go great for my dad, whether he was getting divorced from his fourth wife or got fired, he had no problem moving to Ohio or moving to Chicago or moving to... Phoenix, or moving to Ocala, or moving moving to Columbus, Ohio, or moving uh, to Laguna. He moved from Laguna. That's where he fucked up. That's where we should have stayed. Anyways, longer story. But my point is, applying your human capital to the place of the most opportunity is absolutely uh, a huge component of prosperity. The reason why humans are so successful as a species is not because we're stronger, smarter, faster, but because we're more adaptable. Oh, there's no more SEALs here, we need to move, and the the people or the tribes that stay uh, go out of business, so to speak. So your ability to get to a city, getting to London and New York probably means you have done well economically. Now, having said that, you wanna know about the kind of marketplace for cities. San Francisco is experiencing what you're talking about, not New York. New York is still singular, it's still, New York post-COVID is better, New restaurants, it shed its skin. Some of the tired stuff went away. New York, in my opinion, is worth the additional 13% in taxes because it's singular. It's doing amazing. Uh, people moved out of New York, but they're actually moving uh, back. Even before the pandemic, a trend emerged where an increasing number of college graduates have been leaving metropolitan cities, including New York, Chicago, and LA. The increase of flexibility through remote work has caused many to relocate to more affordable major metropolitan areas, including places like Phoenix, Atlanta, Houston, and Tampa. This is the market of work. It's amazing and it's good. A study conducted by Smart Asset in 2022 monitored the mobility of individuals referred to as affluent young professionals. These individuals are defined as those under the age of 35 who earn an adjusted gross income of at least $100,000. The data revealed that New York was the state with the highest number of departures by a long shot. Oh, my God, I just contradicted myself. It ends up that people are leaving New York. I thought a bunch of people were coming into New York. Let me back up. Let me back up. I was just at Casa Cipriani because I'm fabulous and a bit of a douchebag, which is this high-end members club at the tip of Manhattan. I don't like the location. It's so far down. Anyways, went down there last weekend. And I looked around, and it was all a bunch of 30-somethings. And I said to the guy, one of the guys kind of who runs the place, I said, who are these people? Where do they come from? This is so expensive. I said, we just had some appetizers and a few drinks. It was 400 bucks. And I said, who can afford this? And he said, their parents can afford it. It's a lot of rich kids from New Jersey. None of the women here are paying for anything. And most of the guys here Uh, aren't paying either, it's their parents that are paying. And so New York and London, I don't know if this is true of London, but I'm confident saying this about New York. New York is mostly a place where you either have to be very scrappy and making a lot of money for your young person, or your parents are putting you through New York. I was talking to someone the other day who was complaining that he's gonna have to leave New York and so it was the worst thing ever. I'm like, no, it's not. The majority of us go to New York for a little while figure it out for a short term. It's almost like you can't spend your whole life at Disneyland. Some people get to figure it out. But most of us go there for a few years, a couple few years, work our asses off, get some stripes, maybe make some money, spend a shit ton of money. Maybe spend more than we make. And then when people leave, the prices go down. They very rarely go down in New York. But I do think you're going to see housing prices come down in the Bay Area. But like any product, it trades on supply and demand and things go up and down. Urbanists, Edward Glazer and Carlo Ratti proposed the idea of New York City as a playground city. In a New York Times opinion article, and said that cities should embrace the shift from vocation to recreation and make cities more fun to live in, and that is a playground city. They look at the low office occupancy in New York City, which is around 50% of pre pandemic levels. By the way, I loved how the mayor said you had a moral obligation to get back to work. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to shame people into going back to work. Good luck, mayor. Good luck with that, mayor. According to their findings, get this 26 Empire State Buildings could fit into New York's empty office space. Wow. However, even with the empty office space, the bottom line is the quality of life in New York has come to surpass that of most other places in the U.S. New York is working. It's working. It's it's a tale of two cities. Take San Francisco, massive amount of wealth creation, a shitty place to live. New York, a massive amount of wealth creation. You're getting your money's worth. It's a luxury item that costs a ton of money, but you're getting, you're getting your money's worth. In some, uh, I think New York continues to thrive, I think New York continues to be worth it. What would be interesting is to figure out, well, why is it? Why is it that New York continues to thrive and some of these other cities don't? And that's a longer conversation. Maybe we should have Richard Florida on. Anyways, thanks for the question, Mara from London slash New York. Question number two. Hey, Scott, I appreciate your thoughtful and measured reflections on OpenAI so far. For my own business, I see an immediate potential application and benefit of an LLM. That said, I'm not about to start putting proprietary information into one of the existent open AI platforms, even the ones that are starting to offer enhanced privacy protections. What would you say to small and medium-sized businesses that have only ever used existing tech products and never had to think about developing our own, but who want to jump on this opportunity and leverage this moment in emergent technology? I look forward to hearing your advice. Thanks. That's a really interesting question. And I was introduced on CNN as an expert in artificial intelligence, which could not be further from the truth. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. See, like the last thing I, you know, the last technology I had to learn was voice and then TikTok. And every time I'm presented with one of these things, I realize I'm aging and I'm just having a more difficult time wrapping my head around this stuff. Uh, so take this with a grain of salt. Uh, according to a report by G2, corporations spent $176 billion on AI uh, in 2021. That's up from 5.23 billion. Think about that. I mean, this this business, it's sort of everything the Web3 was supposed to be. For the life of me, I can't tell you how the blockchain is going to change or affect or in any way I could even use it today. But I'm going to Istanbul with my 12-year-old son, and we use we use AI to plan our weekend. Uh, I'm trying to, whenever I write, not whenever I write, but when I write my newsletter and I want data, I ask ChatGPT questions. Uh, And I spend late night, I used to browse planes because that's the kind of guy I am. I dream about buying a plane. And now I'm on ChatGPT just asking all sorts of questions and trying to come up with a prompt. Uh, The way I've sort of, if you will, thought about the exceptional power of AI and the potential is that If you believe software is gonna eat the world, that our ability to translate the analog world into zero and one, such that we can process stuff faster and turn machinery and people into the $6 million man who can run 55 miles an hour and see, see, read a book from a mile away. If you think that software is critical to that, then the question is, well, who has those skills? And there's been different generations of programming languages Uh, with a small number of people, probably less than 0.1% of the people max uh, globally understand how to program or speak that language, whether it's COBOL or Fortran or BASIC or what have you, right? And now the programming language that is going to power software that changes the world is English. And so all of a sudden about, what is it, about a third of the world speaks English, We now have two and a half billion people who overnight are sort of mediocre programmers but could become great programmers. And what I'm trying to figure out is how I spend more time becoming a sophisticated programmer by understanding different prompts. You know, in the voice of, what additional questions can I answer such that you can provide better answers? Now, as it relates to a small business, I'm not sure I entirely understand your fear around feeding your data into an LLM. I don't know, are you worried that you'll reveal secrets or that you won't get compensated for it because I've always thought that internally people were too focused on confidentiality, that what we wanted to do, they didn't want to release a product or a beta for fear it would give the competition a heads up. And my attitude was the key is speed. The key is to do things more quickly and that you overestimate the competition's ability to respond quickly. And that it's more important that we face the enemy and we start doing interesting things and learning than it is keeping our trade secrets. You know, at L2, we had a proprietary research method to assess a firm's digital competence. I'm like, let's publish how we look at this because the bottom line is, uh, you know, as long as we do more of it and do it better, it doesn't really matter if people know that we're measuring currency conversion and uh, engagement. This is how we measure engagement on Instagram. Anyways, having said that, uh, just some data. Uh, a 2022 new Vantage Partners executive survey revealed that nine in 10 Fortune 1000 companies are investing in AI and are continuing to increase those investments. In 2022, According to a report uh, from Stanford, the AI focus area with the most investment was medical and healthcare, $6 billion, followed by data management, processing, and cloud, 5.9 billion, so similar in FinTech, 5.5 billion. I've always thought that it's healthcare that is the industry that's sticking its chin out and it's gonna be disrupted by AI. What I would do, what I would do is I would first, and I've hired somebody focused on, a contractor focused on AI. I wanna know what tools are out there it could make our existing processes more efficient. There is an AI tool that will look at a video and take the six most interesting video clips, select them, that will get the most engagement in social. There is something that will read my newsletter and give me the 10 most interesting tweets. And what I have to do is go through and edit them. I pick two or three, and maybe I end up with one or two. It's still not very good, but I'm learning how how generative AI can help communicate. I'm learning how generative AI can edit our videos. When I say I, I mean my team. And so I think of it as a tool, I don't think of it as a replacement. And you as the owner of your, the manager of your small business wanna get really good at it yourself. And when you're on this thing, as opposed to the blockchain where you're searching for ways to pretend that it'll change the world so you can feel and sound younger, when you start playing with this thing, your mind just starts racing as to what are the two or three things you could do right away. So. In some, in some, I'd be promiscuous in terms of investing my own time and tasking your team with understanding different tools and ask them to come back with two or three different ideas each for how it can improve your current supply chain or processes around how you deliver your product or your service. AI is not gonna put your business out of business. A business that understands or a business whose employees understand AI is gonna put your business out of business. Thanks for the question. We have one quick break before our final question. Stay with us. Support for this podcast comes from Hims. It's Saturday night, and before you hit the town, you put on one of your best fits, check the mirror, and then you see it, or rather you don't, your hair or what's left of it. But just because your hair is thinning doesn't mean it has to stay like that forever. Introducing Hims, a men's healthcare product looking to provide simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for men. The entire process is 100% online, so you can get a new routine of improving your physical and mental health in private. If prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and in discreet packaging, no waiting rooms and no pharmacy visits. So while it can be tough to deal with this part of your life, it doesn't mean you have to do it alone. Start your free online visit today at slash profg. That's h i m slash profg for your personalized treatment options. slash profg. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate restrictions apply. See HIMS.com slash Verge for details and important safety information. Subscription required, price varies based on product and subscription plan. Support for our show comes from Sonos. Usually when we read ads for the show, I get a whole page of talking points they want me to hit. But get this, Sonos sends me their latest portable speaker, Move 2, and no script. They just want me to share with you what I honestly think of it. And after listening to the speaker, I get why Sonos is so confident that I'd have good things to say. It's fantastic, it's incredible that this kind of fidelity and acoustics and sound comes from such a little device. I mean, it really packs a punch. And also, I have been buying Sonos for 10 or 15 years now. I know the CEO, I know people uh, that work there. They're just good people and a nice company and they make an outstanding product. The battery life of Move 2 is so good giving up to 24 hours of playback and because it's weather and drop resistant you can bring it anywhere just think of all the places you could listen to this podcast what a thrill seriously you won't believe how good i sound on this speaker every stream counts people come on come on invest in this relationship to learn more about move to and other sonos speakers visit sonos.com that's s-o-n-o-s.com Welcome back. Question number three. Prof. G, this is Matt from San Francisco. First off, thanks so much for wisdom and insights. Big fan here. I have a question about self-improvement and the potential value of of a professional coach. I'm a single 30-year-old male. I'm in a promising mid-level position with a top 10 bank. And outside of work, I'm very focused on health and wellness. And I'm always looking to learn and address areas of improvement. Consider getting a professional coach to give myself a leg up especially as the world's getting more competitive and I don't have any other significant time or financial commitments at at this moment. It's a big investment though, could be thousands of dollars per month. And there are other ways to enhance my skills that are either free or inexpensive, such as Toastmasters, connecting with mentors more often, completing certifications, coursework, and more. What are your thoughts on hiring a professional coach and what else should I consider when looking to increase the odds of success in work and life in general? Thank you. Uh, Matt, thanks for the question. First off, you're just so far ahead of where most 30-year-old males are, where I was. I thought that at your age that I would never have thought to reach out to a coach. You know, I thought, I'm a baller, I don't need advice. It was such a huge mistake. It's really hard to read the label from inside of the bottle, and that's an easy one. Yes, you should have some sort of a coach or a mentor. The question is the format. And I see the advantages of hiring somebody is this is what they do full-time or this is their job. By the way, quick digression, I did this thing called Summit at Sea. I must have met six people who were transitioning out of social media something into executive coaching. And I thought, are there enough executives out there to coach? But clearly this is a trend and there's a lot of demand for it. So someone who's skilled in this, it's like a great friend can give you really good advice around your marriage, but a marriage therapist is kind of sole purpose, their distance the fact they're getting paid the fact that you can lean on them and sit there and tell them about you know why you're not listening or why why you should be whatever it is is a is a smart thing at the same time at the same time if it's a financial strain is there an opportunity to kind of build what I call a kitchen cabinet and that is two or three people in your company or friends or or people who have a little bit more experience than you who are invested or you know want to see you succeed, uh, but aren't maybe too close to you, if you will, that you would feel comfortable uh, communicating very intimate things about or private things about your work life, including where you're falling short, who would be interested in mentoring you. And I've never had a paid coach. I have a good friend who's the CEO of a very successful tech company that has a paid coach. I've always had a kitchen cabinet, and that is I have probably three or four maybe even more than that, five as I think about it, people that I just call before I make any major decision, personal or professional, just to bounce it off them, just to hear their view. Most of the time, most of the time, I end up doing the same thing I was gonna do, but it helps me think it through, and occasionally they save me from myself. So a coach, hands down, yes. Mentors, yes. The question is, might you be able to go sort of the old Navy route and get 80 percent of a professional focus coach, sole purpose coach for for 10 percent of the price or 30 percent of the price with a kitchen cabinet? Because I do find that people, uh, women and men who are a little bit older, really enjoy mentoring and giving people advice. You know, they've got a lot of 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 wisdom they can share. And I think that they are interested and it doesn't have to be a big formal thing. Will you be my mentor? Ask him out for coffee and just say, I'd love to get your advice on a couple things. And if it feels right, you ask him for more advice again and you say to him, is it cool if I reach out to you for advice on a regular basis? So I think, one, it's seeing if you can develop that informal kitchen cabinet. And you want to do that regardless of whether you hire a professional coach. And then maybe just try before you buy, buy a few sessions with a, an executive coach and just ask yourself, is this worth it? Is this worth whatever it is, a hundred or two hundred bucks an hour? But uh, your instincts are strong at your age. Thinking about getting uh, people who can help you uh, provide a perspective, an outsider's perspective, means that you are tracking uh, towards success and prosperity, and you know, and you have a degree of self-awareness that most people don't have at your age. Thanks for the question, Matt. That's all for this episode. If you'd like to submit a question, please email a voice recording to officehours at propgmedia.com. Again, that's officehours at propgmedia.com. This episode was produced by Caroline Shagrin, Jennifer Sanchez is our associate producer, and Drew Burrows is our technical director. Thank you for listening to the Prop G Pod from the Box Media Podcast Network. We will catch you on Saturday for No Mercy, No Malice as read by George Hahn and on Monday with our weekly markets show.